Hello, and welcome to Local Legends. I'm Chi, outdoor fitness coach, and I am your host. Local Legends is a conversation with passionate cyclists who impact riding in Southern California, and specifically, San Diego. Here comes my next local legend. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right, so welcome everybody. I'm um, Chi with Outdoor Fitness Coach, and this is Local Legends, um, episode three. I'm here with Jim Miller. Um, he is the MC, also known as the voice of gravel. Did you know you were that? That was your title. Um, I've heard that a couple times. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think we all. I think I like that. And um, I just wanted to, as people are logging in, I'm going to do a, a kind of a quick intro of how I met Jim Miller. Um, during COVID last year, Victor put together a dirty duro. Um, and it was actually a really fun opportunity for me to get out and race, even though there weren't any races. And it was my last time I was going to do Dirty Duro, and I, for some reason, just, I really wanted to do really well. So Shelly and I decided to do it, and she's like, hey, Chi, come with us. Victor is going to be there with all his friends, and we're going to meet like at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, dear God. Okay, so about 12 people show up. And we are hitting these dirty duo courses hard. And here I am at the very end, last segment. It's um, Ken Lentz's segment. Yep. And we're going up to the top of um, Elfin Forest. Not Elfin Forest. What's the hill called? It's the secret trail to the top of Elfin. Yeah. And Jim is there. We're both suffering. And he's on a gravel bike. And I'm like, Excuse me, but who the hell is going to do this on a gravel bike? What is wrong with you? Well, kind of, but he was so happy. We were cheering each other on, like, keep going. And anyway, so after that, I was like, this guy's super cool. And then he's everywhere. So um, welcome to everybody. So this is Jim Miller. And Jim is most known for being the MC for BWR and Quick and Dirty. And I wanted to kind of get to know a little bit more about how is it that you got there and or even before that, how did you get to San Diego to get there? There's, I think that is a good place to start. And I wanted to talk more about the racing and more about you. So let's go ahead and start with how you got to San Diego and then how did you end up getting to be an MC? Oh, okay. This is actually my third stint in San Diego. I went to state Okay. Um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, best seven years of my life. Um, I moved to LA for a job in the insurance world. Okay. Uh, for a number of years, matriculated my way back to San Diego in that world and <clears throat> was here until about the little after 2000, mm -hmm. right before 9-11, just after 9-11 in fact. I kind of really burned out on that industry, uh, took a job in the mortgage industry, which moved me back up to LA. Worked my way through that, and then that is kind of what led me to even being here back again for the third time, which was... I was kind of tired of the rat race of that world again, and all the while thinking, man, if I could only work in an industry that I'm really passionate about. And I had been into cycling since uh, late in my late 20s, early 30s. I was really just then was racing a lot and doing all that stuff, and really, really enjoying it. And just said, man, if there's a way to blend the two, I would really like to do that. Um, it was a lot of networking. It was it hit that classic catch 22 of you can't get the job without the experience, you can't get the experience without mm -hmm. the job and was doing just a ton of networking. And uh, Michael Marks and I became friends up there. He was working for Globe at the time. We were riding together and he was always a very um, 
uh, a nice ear to bouncing off of and ideas and concepts and places to go and look and learn and, and um, develop skills. And when he got the job as um, president of SPY, mm -hmm. he launched them into back into the performance category and mm -hmm. hired me and gave me the big break that I needed into the world of action sports and cycling and things like that that way and moved me back down here and I think I'm going to stay. I think there's something <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh, drawing me here to San Diego. So um, with much gratitude to Michael, I, I, we started that job at SPY and, and tried to uh, get, get them back into the, the performance World. Yeah, um, and we talked a little bit about that, Mark, Mark Michael, last time about um, Spy, but how was that transition? It must have been awesome to be able to move back and do something, like you said, in the industry that you love. It, it's, it was fantastic, and, and I tell anybody, it's still work, right? It's still, there's still sales reports, and there's still initiatives that you have to attend to and things yeah. like that, but you're just doing it in an environment with people, like-minded people that makes it so much better than any other, like, and don't get me wrong, there are people, I have a good friend of mine, his birthday today, um, he's an accountant, and he loves being an accountant, he will be an accountant for the rest of his life, and, and good on it, but for me, it was always, I wanted to do what I was good at in an industry that I'm passionate yeah. about, and it took that lucky break to get it, and I've been so lucky as a result with other uh, opportunities that I've had, uh, even after SPY, and being able to continue a career in, in this industry, and even more specifically, in the cycling world just because it's, it's it's just so much fun yeah so in spy how, how what else? you were right racing and then i understand there's a spy team there was we had a, we had a powerful team we had a at one point probably 70 person strong team we had a elite level women's team that we supported took them to the tour of california which was just unbelievable yeah. our masters team was winning every conceivable race and title and jersey stripes you could possibly win um, me, I was always a middle of the pack guy. I was never that, I, as much as I love racing and trained as hard as I did, I have certain limitations to my, my physical makeup that kept me as a, I just got out of the cat fours and got into the threes and I was like, okay, I'm never gonna be much of a three. I'm just gonna cap it here and, and enjoy my, and then I kind of tailed off of the racing thing and enjoyed riding more, a little bit more than uh, the race, at least on the road. Then I, then I, you know, mountain biking came in. I started doing a little more mountain biking okay. and gotten into the racing with that. And, then um, we've all fallen in love with gravel and yeah. things like that as a result too. Okay, that's awesome. Um, it's great to hear about the spy team. I just learned about it uh, today through Brian McCulloch. Okay. And um, he just remembers you fondly through those times. So, so I hear spy, I hear Michael Marks, I see you. Is that how you got into emceeing or was it through quick and dirty or is there something other path? A little bit of both. Um, all th even through back into my college days, I'd done a lot of public speaking. I was oh. a speech major at San Diego State, mostly because radio, TV, film was impacted. I couldn't get into it. So I'm like, I'll take the next, like the little sister, if you will, of radio, TV, film, of speech communication. More the how and why and the science behind than more the how to. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd always done it, it always became very comfortable to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I seen a lot of banquets through the, my fraternity world and was able to get a lot of exposure that way through uh, the other leadership skills um, and opportunities that I had to do public speaking and interact with people at that level. So it always came kind of natural. Um, the first like race event that I did was Spy was sponsoring uh, the Quick and Dirty series probably in year one or two of after Victor had launched mm -hmm. it. And I was there at an event at the Black Mountain and Victor's like, hey man, our guy didn't come today or he couldn't make it. Can you just fill in and do this? And I'm like, yeah, just wind me up and point me in the right direction. And, and we did and it was fun. And we just kind of started to grow it out. Yeah. I started working a lot more events for him. 
And I think it was year three of Belgian Waffle Ride when um, we realized it had grown, it had scaled so much. And it was mostly Michael and I um, and Victor at the time who knew anything about cycling events. Everybody else there was, they were a sunglass company. They didn't know cycling or didn't know how to put on events. So I said, we need somebody here to stay on premise to uh-huh. kind of run the background. I raised my hand and said, I'll ha- happily do that. But what came with that was, okay, we got this nice stage and we got awards and things like that. And Michael was doing what Michael does and he's out mingling with the crowd like he should be and, and, uh, and engaging with all the people. And mm-hmm. somebody needed to just kind of keep the show going. So my small little role was to just fill in and just, you know, be that both that, you know, front of the house, uh, you know, front of the house guy and wind him up and then also introduce the people that needed to talk and say the important stuff. So it just kind of grew from there. Wow. So besides the BWR and Quick and Dirty, just I want to ask you more about the race itself. Um, what other races do you have you done or like maybe most recently? Yeah, I've been really lucky and, and made some great connections just by virtue of BWR Quick and Dirty that have gotten me um, opportunities to work with um, SBT Gravel. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, so both the years that they've run. I've been uh, I've done the announcement. That's steamboat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I love it up there. The, it's such a beautiful, uh, special place, and they do a fantastic job. Um, this year, I got to work with a group uh, that puts on races through the Trans Rockies. They put, mm. they do both mountain biking and trail running. Uh, worked an event there with them in Moab, which was fantastic. Oh wow, that's really gorgeous. Really gorgeous there. Um, Ride SB100, a, a beautiful uh, event up in Santa Barbara the last two weeks ago, which was just uh, wonderful. Um, beautiful places to to ride anywhere. And what do I get to do? I get to sit on the beach and, and talk about cycling all day because that's where the expo was. Um, my friend Janie runs a race in Wyoming, a Fistful of Dirt. I worked with them over Labor Day weekend, which was a whole lot of fun. So a lot of these races, some of them I've heard of, I've not heard of the Fistful. It's, a, it's an up and coming. It's a small little local race in Cody, Wyoming. And it's a beautiful place to be. They, um, she saw me at, I, I think, um, at uh, BWR because she came and volunteered at Cedar City two years ago and we made a connection so I'd love to have you come work with us and I said I'd love to come work with you there Um, wow that's fantastic so you are like a traveling MC you know I I, it's it's a lot of fun to have that kind of seat at the table and get to go to these really cool places places I would want to go anyway and and go and do the event now I get to be part of the crew and be able to to work and give them that I think what it does and I guess the way I've always looked at it too is like, what would the rider want? What experience would the rider want? And that's exactly what I'm thinking when I'm asking. Yeah, so go, yeah, tell me more about how that works. Yeah, and I guess I always try to look at it that way. Not too much, not too little. You know, don't, don't be overwhelming, but yet give them information and keep everything on time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think that role is both, it's both front of house and back of house production wise, right? Mm-hmm. You're both the ringmaster, but you're also the director behind the mm-hmm. scenes because it's got to go off on time. And I want the race director to not worry about anything. I just want to get the eyeball from them that says, yes, we're good. We're on time. And my job is to get everybody to the line, get them off the line on time. And I think a big part of it too is treat treat the elite level riders as much as you do, as well as you do everybody else. They deserve the same recognition. They're, the last person across the line deserves as much of applause and cheers as does the first person. And That's, you gotta treat, try and treat them the same. So that, that was my question, and I didn't know if it came on purpose, is how you are able to make every single person, it, I know this sounds overwhelming, like feel so important um, 
and you said it, the last person, the first person, the elite. Um, how, how do you balance that? Because it sounds like it's easy to give the elite people all the grace, you know, oh, welcome, you know, previous year's winner. And then, but you do that. I only know that because you do that for me. Like, you know, when I come, I feel just as excited. It doesn't feel like, okay, girls, you go. Uh, how do you do that? How, is that? I, I, hope it's, I hope it's authentic and genuine. I hope it comes across authentically and genuine and not manufactured. Because that's, it, I'm just honestly expressing what's inside. Um, and trying to look at it from the standpoint, okay, bring the energy. Don't be completely over the top. Yeah. Um, bring that proper amount of energy and honestly too sometimes it's just the sound of their own name like people just don't yeah. don't mind at all hearing the sound of their name coming across and saying hey someone to acknowledging them hey nice effort out there today you did a really good job you should be proud of that whether you were first or last everybody deserves that recognition I just try not to butcher the name when I read it if I can <laughs> pronounce it correctly or at least remotely correctly some of the difficult names and make sure we get them right because that's important to people wow that's really fantastic that you recognize that what you are doing is like the, I don't even know how to say it. Like, it's such a valuable part of the experience. I look at it, it's no more important though than the guys that go out and mark the course. Oh, yeah. And the guys that, yeah. that people that man yes. the aid station and things like that. It's just another little silo. It's just a very um, public facing one, right? Yes. It's, it's a, it, so it has to be. It has to be professional, it has to be personal, mm -hmm. um, it has to be uh, trying to be meaningful as much as the aid station that's well stocked and the course that's well marked. Absolutely. Do you do anything to prepare yourself so that you have 200% energy for the day? I'm assuming that by the time you're done, you just kind of flop and like, or, or <laughs> so do you make sure you sleep well? I don't know, it's maybe a silly question, but I'm, I'm wondering if you have to prepare yourself. Um, yeah, I do try to prepare myself. I will always look through the list of athletes okay. to make sure I know who's there um, and then have try to retain. And, and guys like Dave Toll, who've been doing this for years, have this encyclopedic recall of people and the most unique facts. I'm trying to build that to where I can at least say something unique about somebody, whether it's a previous event that year. Oh, he was mm -hmm. second at, at SBT, now lining up and you know going for the title here. Little things like that that make it um, sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then even for the local races, like, you know, Brian Scarborough, a nice win for you at the, at the 50. I know you wanted that one. You got a little sick earlier in the year. It's little things like that, yeah. that, that, that stretch the dialogue and don't make it. So if you are, uh, it doesn't, it, it gives a lot less gaps in the conversation. Yeah. When you can just fill little things like that. Wow. That's, and I guess over time you probably have the encyclopedia in your head when you're going around to so many different places and you're seeing the race firsthand, I, I guess memory can get lost too. Yeah, and I've been lucky too to become, I'd like to think friends with, with some of these mm -hmm. people. When I can say to you know, a guy like Peter Stetton, I, you know, chat him up a little bit after the ride and you get to know them a little better other than just creating a little factoid in your mind that you're gonna rattle off you know, and, and be able to say, I know that guy, you know, like he recognizes me. That to me, that's that's kind of cool. I because I, I have much so much respect for their abilities, and now that I'm working kind of on the inside of the ropes with this all, it's it's meaningful to be able to say, yeah, these are these not only are, are guys I just call out and point at the finish line. I'm able to say these are friends, and I can set up and have a beer yeah. after the race, or you know something like that, or get them on our goofy talk show and, and be able to have a really fun authentic conversation with. Yeah. Um, so just to go keep going down this this 
rabbit hole we're going down about like racing and connecting with the racers. Um, and this kind of comes into play as a cycling coach. I see athletes training four, six, eight months for a race for something that maybe they like, you know, BWRs maybe could be the longest race of some people's life or, you know, um, uh, some other type of hard race, like even the Filthy 50, which is extremely long for a lot of people. Yes. And to go hard for 50 miles, like Victor said on, on episode one, he was like, this sometimes is the hardest race because you do not stop pedaling. Like yeah. it is a constant. So you have, a, I want to say the privilege or the, you know, you get to see them cross the line. Is, is there any stories that, like, how does that feel? And do you have any stories of people, of like experiences where you're just kind of, I don't know, took the breath away or memorable? Oh, um, so many. The, um, the two up sprint at Belgian Waffle Ride a couple of years back with Brian McCulloch and Ted King was unbelievable. I just got the chills because yeah, I remember no, it's, that. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it was so stunning. And you got to bear in mind too that we're working blind. Like, right, we're just, for the most, even then, we were working with, with just getting filled in, trying to get filled in from what was going on. So we had no idea what was going to come around the corner. So to try to keep the crowd engaged, keep yourself ready for the call, and then keep your eyes peeled to make that call is, is there's so much fun tension with that. Yeah. Um, that was, that was completely memorable. Um, and I, something I, I will never, ever forget. There have been, and this, I'm going to go the total opposite, to see the faces on the kids at the kids races at quick and dirty sometimes and the parents are out there with them man that's such good stuff because that's just pure love pure just happiness and you see their faces how excited they're out there doing that stuff and you get the high five from them some of that stuff is as, as good as it gets yeah um there what about like any like races where people come across and you're like wow what happened to you oh yeah we would call that dirt sampling. They come back and they're completely, you know, they got, they look like they've just been rolling around in the dirt. You know something went bad for them that day, but that they still got up and finished. And you see that look of accomplishment. It, it happens on virtually every race. There's that person that, that they come across in tears because, you know, they're, they're, they didn't think they could do it. And here they are. This is a, for them, it's a bucket list. It's a lifetime yes. experience. And you're just so excited for them. You feel you feel almost every pedal stroke with them as as they finish like that. Yeah. And that sense of accomplishment it is is really really empowering. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I can't imagine like being the one that's there to, to cheer them on and get them finishing across the line. And um, I know when I go to races and you hear your name or even your number, I don't know. You just kind of get a little lift. So. Yeah. Um, you said you used to race. Um, what was what's your favorite race to race? <laughs> um, I, I, my, or do you still race? I haven't pinned on a number in a while. Okay. In a while, I, I lack any sort of fitness right now to even consider it. I would like, I would love to do it. I'm thinking about maybe Sea Otter if I can get a mountain bike uh, in working order before then, because that seems to be a place I've always done reasonably well mm -hmm. within my little subcategorized world of old guy age group and <laughs> low category ranking. <laughs> um, the dirt has always been a lot more fun to race on than, than, than the roads have. I, I didn't ever have much success at the roads. Um, I just was not pure road racer, crit okay. guy. Um, I did it. I had a lot of fun doing it. My big orange roots um, uh, that I grew up on racing with all those guys was fantastic. And I, I will never forget that, but it just never was, was very accomplished at it. Um, always had a lot of fun, but just never was very good at it. So I think I'm more inclined to, to race on the dirt. 
to mountain bike. Yeah, mountain and bike. Sea and Sea Otter is your place. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've always enjoyed it up there. I missed it just a couple weeks ago, yeah. but I'm looking forward to going back up there in the spring. And what do you like? Which races do you enjoy watching? The watching, I'll watch anything. Uh, okay. I just love the racing, um, which is why I love so much my my window that I have at the BWR this year with being able to cover the race for pure gravel the way we have, which, you know, when Steve and Chris came with that idea uh, a year ago for Cedar City, covered in this almost live capacity and pushing things out to Instagram Live like mm -hmm. we were, our Instagram stories, it was such a, a fascinating way to watch your own little personal bike race because we were there with the leading group and you just get to watch it come apart you know, or stick together for as long as it would. And one guy here, one guy there, one woman here just starts to fall off the group. Yeah. And it's like having your own little personal bike race and you're watching in your living room and being a, a rabid sports fan and loving everything about cycling anyway to, you know, watch on TV and then get to watch it and, and have to be able to try and commentate on it articulately to give everybody the race perspective is, yeah. is a whole lot of fun. So that's a good point um, with the what you mentioned because I remember Joy was doing the women's mm -hmm. and you were doing the men's mm -hmm. and you were giving live coverage on Instagram. Um, do you think that's a, a place where, because have you done that since? Yeah, we've done it at all four this oh, year. Oh, you've done it all. Done oh, it at all so. all four the races this year. And uh, do you think that's a place where other, other races are going to do something similar or are they already doing that and I just never noticed it? I think everybody's, we're in this bit of a wild west period right now where there's a, some land grab going on. I think everybody's trying to figure it out with, with the existing technology, right? We're limited by the technology and some of these remote areas that these races are held yeah, in. That's we true. can't get that cell signal to be able yeah. to do a constant live stream of the event. Yeah. Um, we can't yet afford the BWR helicopter and biplane. <laughs> we need to oh, bounce the signal off. It's coming, it's coming. Um, but once you know, once we do, great. Then we can then we can go full scale. Wow. Um, but perhaps we're only a couple years away from that, and that would be a lot of fun. But right now we're making do, which I think is really good with what we have, and we're, we're able to give people an almost live experience. We had a little problem in yeah. Kansas because we were so remote that we would load up um, pieces, right? We would load up five or six, but we weren't able to get them to transmit yeah. because we weren't in cell coverage. So as soon as we had cell coverage, boom, five or six would pop in there, yeah. and then people would be able to get caught up. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, there's no better way to watch a race. The, the, those guys, uh, um, Phil and, and, uh, and Bob Roll that cover the tour, and those guys, they have that, that great seat because they're getting all the television feeds. Yeah. We got basically the same thing, looking right out the window of the car that's following along. It's, it's a blast. So you mentioned the tour. I'm assuming the, the tour? Sure. Okay. So obviously you watch that. Do you get, is that how you get some of your inspiration to like, break out of the mold or try something new like the way that they comment on races and how they yeah. what they say does that make sense totally um i've been a lifelong sports fan so i, I grew up watching chick hearn and, and uh, vin scully and, and you know bob costas and guys like that and great interviewers like dan patrick uh, and i i try to absorb and learn uh, al michaels is another great one too. absorb and learn from their skills uh, what they do, how they how they are able to visually express what's going on, and it's an ever evolving skill, skill to learn art. because it's it's not as easy as those guys make it look. I can tell you firsthand. <laughs> um, and and look at look at something like the tour where they got to sit there for I, I, I forget the gentleman's name that covers on the um, on the uh, the other not on the major network, but he covers it on the other network. 
um, he's there live for four and a half hours and, and trying and honestly cycling a lot of times on TV is pretty darn boring, you know, <laughs> and he's having to make conversation with a broadcast partner for four or five hours. That's really tough to do. Yeah. And then Brian bring up the energy at the end to cover a finish like that. So I much respect for those guys that can do that for four hours a day. Cause by nature, I'm kind of an introvert. Like I'm not the person that's going to roll through a party and you know be bouncing off the walls with everybody. So to do something like that is more of an expression of that little inner inner monkey in me that wants to say <laughs> I want to be part of this or I have something to to contribute to this to be able to express that in using words and create this picture for people uh, in this dynamic environment that we're out you know, trying to do this as live as possible. Yeah, I I, I think that's great. You mentioned a bunch of um, other promoters, not promoters, but um, announcers that I, apologies, I'm not familiar with. Oh, okay. So um, I need to do some more homework. <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies. But it's great that that was gonna, that was my question was like, how do you get inspiration? How do you learn more? You obviously are looking up to, to other people. Um, my only, my only reference point is watching the Formula One and they have yeah. the, announcers talking about it for three hours yes. and they always come up with something that's not quiet for one minute and no. it's like that's that is got, got to the be toughest job story. or the funnest job i think of those guys are the, doing the gridlock when they're that that frantic frenetic moment you know in the, in the five minutes before they go on their formation lap he's there trying to get a microphone in front of everybody trying to say something yeah. unique without tripping over himself that has got to be just one of the toughest yeah. gigs out there yeah I, and with the cycling that you're doing, I think it's neat because the people that are famous that are coming to, like, let's say the BWR and Quick and Dirty, um, they're just our, our average racers. I mean, they're just people as well that we put up on a pedestal. So how are you? How do you handle like talking with, I, you know, like you said, that some of the people. Well, like the, who did I have to show you interviewing with? And the young lady who won BWR a couple of years ago. Um, and all these names are, I'm sorry, now that I'm live, I can't remember anybody's name, but do you ever get sh like sh shocked? Like, oh yeah, all the time. Like, and, and that's, that's part of me that I have to balance because I can go a little fanboyish to that's, be able to sit there and, you know, um, Peter Stetton, guys like that, um, guys that I completely respect, Ian Boswell. These guys, I'm like, wow, dude. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that old, um, there was a great skit on SNL when Chris Farley was still alive. It was the Chris Farley show, right? And he was he was himself, but he's just talking to Paul McCartney. He's like, hey, Paul, uh, remember that time when, when, when you played that song? You know, that was cool. Yes. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing that sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying to be composed and not have to look at my notes too much and carry on a conversation and not walk into a brick wall with what I was trying to say. And luckily, all these people so far have been super nice and not allowed me to do that and make yeah. good conversation with me. But that's always the fear in the back of your head that you're gonna just all of a sudden have, look at them and not have anything to say because I don't know what I'm even talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point on F1, we had Valtteri Botas on, on the pre-ride show in Lawrence, Kansas and I'm sitting there sweating through my shirt going, oh my God, I'm, I'm right next to one of the most popular athletes on the planet and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. He was, his energy was able to bring mine down a little bit. So I was able to be a little more composed and talked about racing and talked about bikes everything like that. It was, it was super cool. Wow. That's wicked cool. Yeah. That's cool. He has amazing skin, by the way. He has beautiful <laughs> Northern European porcelain skin. Wasn't he's, expecting that. No, he's, he, and he, like I said, he was the nicest guy. And then... He had some really bad luck uh, this past weekend in Mexico City. Yes. That's the way that, that's racing. Yeah, so I was able to watch some of that. <laughs> um, but, okay. Um, I have some 
my brain is now going everywhere. Um, what is your favorite place still? I didn't know you mountain bike. I thought you mostly graveled in roads. So I just don't have a mountain bike right now. So that's oh, my whole problem. Mountain okay. bike, a little, uh... We need a mountain bike for Jim. Okay, <laughs> anybody out there? Um, yes, I'm just looking. Wrench House is on. Is is live. Hi, Paul. <laughs> um, so where do you like to ride? Yes. Okay. Where's your favorite Anywhere. place? Um, it favorite? kind of, it kind of depends. Like everybody, I think has their. COVID kind of kicked us all into more of a solo riding habit, right? Like we've mm -hmm. gone with the group rides, mm -hmm. so my morning routine will kind of depend on where north or south I feel like going. I have a, a fun little dirt loop that I can go through um, uh, that takes you up kind of behind San Diego. Mm -hmm. It's mostly dirt. Um, a couple of nice little climbs up there by Torrey Pines High School and loops mm -hmm. around there. It's oh, really yeah. quiet. Gonzales Canyon. Gonzales Canyon, yeah, really, really nice and quiet. You don't see too many people out there you have to worry about coming mm -hmm. around a corner on. It's always nice and serene. I can get a nice hour and a half in really quick. Um, I love the loop around here at the Elfin Forest mm -hmm. Loop is a standard one uh, here in San Diego for us. And you know, a good 45 miles, 2,200 feet. And you know, you, could, yeah. you know, you saw some really pretty scenery and things like that. Um, I do miss up in LA. I miss the, the Palos Verdes area up there. That used to be a, a fertile training ground that, and all the climbs and, and and beauty of that area up there. I like a lot in the Malibu Hills too, but um, we got pretty much comparable stuff down here. You can go anywhere you want and see just about the same sort of thing. <laughs> All right, another favorite question. So we're doing like little like a um, rapid fire questions, so to speak, but feel free to go big on it. I gotcha. Um, so vegetarian burritos. Yes. Best ones in San Diego? Ooh, okay. Um, there's a number, Rolls, Rolls down by my house. They do okay. they do a really, really good job. Um, it's close by, it's easy, it's the good, it's perfect size, I'm like too big. Sometimes you get yeah. a burrito, it's just a little too big, and then you feel like, yeah, yeah. I gotta eat it all, and then you're like, little, you're a little stuffed up by it. Um, they do a really nice job. Um, it's probably, that's probably my favorite. Alright, so you're not a vegetarian, but you're a pescatarian. Yeah, eat a lot of fish. And how long have you... Just curious, I don't really talk about nutrition or food on my, on this show, but out of curiosity, no meat, no chicken. No, um, at first it was somewhat by design. My partner Shelly is a wonderful cook and she's been uh, vegetarian and was vegan for a bit and she does all the cooking. Uh, so okay. I'm the lucky recipient of all her wonderful uh, meals and creations and, and time and effort that she puts into it. So it kind of came out of design, but then I fell more into the um, the compassion side of the, of the mm. discussion, and would just learn more about how food and things like that are processed and handled, and it just became an easier thing to do mm -hmm. regularly mm -hmm. and not have to worry about it. And um, we do eat fish; we like the omegas and things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I do kind of struggle with that that dichotomy of of that. But yeah, for the most part, we're we're pretty much veggie all the way. All right, favorite coffee. Uh, yes, again, um, <laughs> um, shoot, uh, yeah, I, coffee is kind of a staple. I, 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 I think I'm one of those, those strange people that can have coffee kind of just about any time. It doesn't really seem to like affect you. Like people are here to drink coffee before the afternoon. Like, oh, I didn't even really think about that, you know, and it doesn't really seem to have that, um, that really massive input or affect me too bad. But, um, yeah, a good, 
we just got an espresso machine oh. that uh, has been has been getting a lot of use lately. Right. That might... makes a divine little cup of coffee for you. You may need to get that name um, after after the show. <laughs> we need some residuals on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for something. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jim's favorite BWR race this year. Question from Paul. Wow. Um, all four were so special and so unique. Um, and we had two brand new venues, so probably the, the, the two new venues stood out the most. Asheville was just such a beautiful green <coughs> and wet <coughs> place um, that it stood out in the sense that the topography and the scenery was so um, spectacular. And the mm -hmm. venue made just for this really communal experience mm -hmm. we had. 80% of the riders were staying on the property. So oh. we had this great like camp BWR experience there. Mm -hmm. And that was a blast. And had the rain not come in in the afternoon, mm -hmm. um, the party might still be going there because <laughs> we were just winding that place up. Um, and then Lawrence, Kansas, with all their hospitality and the crew that was there on the ground mm -hmm. and worked so hard to bring that event about and the, and the town itself and then the the riding itself too was uh we didn't get to ride the bikes thank you paul went all the way out there and back without putting one pedal stroke down um but lawrence was was pretty rad and i, I can't wait to get back there at a time when we can ride because just driving the course and getting to see it was just was really uh it, it evoked a lot of jealousy and a lot of <laughs> i wish i could be up on my bike right now but yeah. our, our one day to ride that we had was uh was the day we were going to get out of town and it was um, we had spectacular weather on race day, perfect temperature, sun, perfect. and the next day was high 30s and wind and rain Aww. and even snow on parts of the course. So we weren't able to weren't able to get Aww. out and ride. Well, good thing that the racers got a good day. Yeah, they had a good day. Um, I just heard from Jake that he really enjoyed Lawrence as well. So um, he said a lot of good things about that course. From what some of the riders said that have ridden there and ridden at uh, Emporia and, and other places in the Midwest, they're like, this is by far the best course they've ever seen out in that part of the country. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, it speaks well to the, the crew there that was able to link it all together and, and all the communities that welcomed us in and allowed us to be able to go through there. That's great. It was really cool. Yeah, the pictures were beautiful. Um, so when you're not riding and you're not... Um, MC, what is what does Jim do that you know? What do you what do you like to do, or what inspires you, or any interests outside of riding? If that's such a thing. Yeah, right. Um, live music. We try to okay. try to go see as much live music as we can. Yeah, now that it's back. Now that it's back, especially now that it's back. Mm -hmm. um, like everybody else, we were taking it in whatever form we could get it. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were all shut down, but. Um, just the other night, Sunday, we were out at this place at Del Mar Plaza, and there was some music playing on the top of the plaza there. Uh, and it just, we just, I don't know how many times, we said, man, I love living here. Yeah. <laughs> how could you not love living here when you can yeah. come to this uh, yeah. pretty much right in your backyard? Music's a big part of that, I think. Um, anytime with family and friends, spending time with, um, I don't get to see my family as much, even though they just live up in LA, but my niece and nephew up there, and my brother, and um, my mom and dad, too. It's uh, anytime we get to spend time with them, it's great. Yeah. So what kind of music do you, are you, do you listen to music in your ears when you're riding? Yes. Okay. And, unless I'm on a group ride and, and, you know, 
engaging and talking to people, but music is a big form of distraction when writing or podcast, but mostly mostly music. What's what is what is on your what is on your playlist? It's it's as varied and wide as I think you as you could ever find. It's it's all the good punk rock music that I grew up with and that that uh, gave me that uh, great experience as a younger guy, and then on up into jazz and. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Dave Matthews Band awesome. over here and, and everything else. There's, um, I don't think there's, there's not much bad music out there. I think you can always find something to like. And I'm always, the cool thing about the, the friends that I have is I'm always being exposed to new stuff. Yeah. Um, Jay will turn, hey, you gotta listen to this. Or Michael, you gotta listen to this. And it's like, wow, that's really yeah. good. Now I found something else I can go down and, and get deeper into, learn more about. Um, some good bands on tour. Foo Fighters are out on tour right now, so I'll have to try and catch them when they're circling around. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all so good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I went to a couple concerts this summer, and it's just it's just fun. It's just fun seeing. Heck, even the, the Sunday night concerts in the park. You know? Oh, it's those just, are the best. You know, you got your your picnic basket and your bottle of wine and cheese and a beautiful place with friends. There's, that's you know hard to beat. Um, all right. Well, we're, um, my final question, unless you had something else, was um, we're coming to the end of 2021. We got 2022 coming around the corner, you know, hot and fast. Uh, any any goals for yourself? Oh man, um, keep enjoying life. Keep putting myself in positions that allow me to be able to enjoy life and do the things I like to do and the things that bring me joy and um, surround myself with people who have a similar mindset to that. Yeah. And I can easily say that's just gonna, if that happens, that's just an extension of this year because that's that's been a lot of what this year has been about, so. Wow, that's, well, I think I put in my comments that you're like super rad person. I know that sounds silly, but I think it speaks a lot to how your, your approach to life, um, so that's great. Well, I am so glad, do you have any, any last thoughts? No, I, I, I would just say thank you. I mean, like when, when you, when you first asked me to be here, I thought the show's called local legends. She must need somebody just to run the PA or fix the PA because I don't qualify as a legend. So I'm so grateful for the, just the consideration just to sit down and chat with you because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I, do you remember where we were when you first launched this? We first talked about this. Yeah. I pitched it to Jim. I thought, I didn't know if it was going to be a good idea. And I said, what do you think? And you're like, go for it I think you should and I was gonna have you do it and I thought I don't know what I'm doing but I'm just gonna go for it and we'll see what happens and um, I, I could think progress before perfection if you wait till everything's perfect it's I'll never get absolutely. anything done absolutely so if I sit spill my words and they don't come out I didn't slow down today though that was one thing you told me to do <laughs> sorry I need a little in my inside of my brain like on my forehead that I'm looking at is like the big Red letters, slow down. I'm always telling myself to slow, slow down. Manage that energy, harness it, bring it in, take a breath. <laughs> yes. Well, I know a lot. I've seen some of the comments come through. Thank you, everybody. I think you are like everyone's favorite person. So, and yeah. Anyway, much respect. Thank you. Much gratitude. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked to, to have got the chance to come into your beautiful home and, and sit down uh, with you and talk. Thank this you. Really cool. Thank you. Um, so, thank you all. I got two fun athletes coming on next. Uh, I kind of wanted to set the stage with the producer, the people who put the show, show on, the, the, the MC uh, for the races. So I have um, Pete Thal coming up. Oh, no, Pistol Pete. 
and a young, upcoming young lady, McKenna. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited that they'll be coming on. I wanted to have two different athletes from two different points of views, um, and both of them kick ass, and let's go, right? Yeah. So, anyway, have a great night, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and uh, until next time. Thanks, All right. everybody. Let's see. So cool. Thank you for listening to Local Legends. If you are enjoying the podcast and look forward to the next guest, please consider supporting this effort through Patreon. A few bucks a month helps this effort. Visit patreon.com backslash outdoor fitness coach, all one word. Thank you.